Hi there. Welcome to Tech Talk Weekly. I'm Bob from Creation Station. This is our weekly show where we discuss two or three interesting tech topics and get you on your way with some fun facts. Uh, I hope you remember what happened 44 years ago today. 54. Holy cow. I am way behind on that. Oh, man. Oren, how are yeah. you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm doing good. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Oren is one of our summer workers at, that works in the library system. You're up at North Regional Library up on Broward College North, right? Yes, yes. And uh, Oren and I have been having a long conversation here about flight simulators and everything, and it's going to be really cool. So uh, we've got a story for him. I didn't know this ahead of time, but I found a story that he's going to be really interested in. Uh, and the point was, today's the day that we landed on the moon. Mm. Um, this is the, the, this is the anniversary, the very first time that Apollo landed and made it to the moon. And it, it, it's a big thing. And also, by the way, we have the moon rock here at main library from one of the Apollo astronauts, the only piece of the moon available to the public to see, but we've got some other stories to cover. So let's talk about that. Um, the first one is from big think, and I've actually got two stories from big think, uh, this week because they have some really interesting things that they go out there on the. And just to give you some basic ideas to start thinking about and then continue on. So Occam's razor. Did you know about this one, Oren, before I sent you the stories just today? Did you know that phrase? Um, no. So Occam's razor, it's named after a monk uh, from back in the Middle Ages whose basic philosophy and the easy way that most people talk about it is that it's the simple explanation is best. That's not really what he said. That's not really the principle, but it gets you to the core idea yeah. of when you're looking at something, what is the most straightforward explanation without getting into crazy conspiracy stuff? And I picked this one because of the space stuff today and that it actually applies to several of our other types of stories that we always cover on this show of is this a new cool thing or is this just rehashing something else and or why should you care about it? Mm -hmm. So the moon landing, Oren, you believe we landed on the moon? Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Um, I... See, I mean, all common sense people do. <laughs> no one really seriously thinks with any real good backing that we did not land on the moon because Occam's razor here, which is easier to believe that you had 150,000 people working together to land us on the moon or 150,000 people that all kept us secret for 54 years to pretend that we landed on the moon. Which one is more believable? The first one. The so, first yeah. So, and that is why one of those things happens. And another one, it's a... Got some really nice little graphics here to explain some of the ideas behind why you should pause and think when you're reading some news stories out there. Mm -hmm. And I, in, in the show notes, uh, I'm going to drop them in right now for you. There's a link to two different articles on this so that you can get an idea and read for yourself. That's what we want you to do. Make your own decisions and do this, which is actually what our next story is about which is uh, Common Sense Media, which is a really good, reliable company. And we'll talk about that in a second. But this one is 
They're doing one on AI. What's your first instinct on AI, Oren? First instinct on AI, chat GBT. <laughs> okay, there we go. And so common sense, uh, here's their website here, uh, up there for it, is a company almost like Consumer Reports that they go out and they rate technology, websites, apps, et cetera, and see whether these are suitable for young adults, for kids, for whatever, helping parents come up with guardrails for whether they should allow their kids to use and do these things. ChatGBT is a really good example. They do not have a rating yet that, that's coming. That's what the news article is here. But Common Sense is a group that goes out there and says, hey, you should be aware of this. They are very anti banning anything. They do not want anything banned. They want everybody to be smart. To, what's the simplest solution? How do you solve this? How do you come up with this for that? What do you think is going on in your life with your um, around AI or other things or in that, that maybe your parents don't understand that you do? Well, I mean, in my life, I would just say like school assignments, something as simple as that, really. My parents, they are aware of it. Um, of course, you know, them being parents, they traditionally say, don't use it, you don't need it, do the work by yourself. And it's kind of the same thing because in schools, now they're implementing, if you, they like their, um, the teachers have, especially the English teachers, they have, when you submit the some assignment, if you used AI on it, if you submit the assignment, they'll be able to tell that you used AI, <laughs> regardless of if you paraphrased it, if you try to change up a few words, it will pop up as AI and straight yep. zero. Just like the plagiarism checkers, yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's, and that's the idea, is when you know that this is something that you have to be able to use, it's a tool to use, and it's not a replacement. You can't replace the paper. You have to write with using ChatGPT. You could use it to maybe get some inspiration, but you won't be able to replace that kind of stuff. That's what the people like Common Sense are out there doing is helping parents, helping people make decisions about all sorts of different technology out there for what's going on, including just what kind of thing, channels or whatever that are kid approved, quote unquote, on YouTube, as an example. Um, kid approved does not mean just dump the kid in front of the TV and let them watch for 20 hours at a time. Yeah. So here's the two stories that I think we are going to spend some time on. Mm -hmm. So AI for drug dealers. You read this article and then I found out you actually did something about this in school yourself. So fill us in on, yes. on this or and tell us. So um, during the last school year, a teacher was like, hey, we have a final paper at the end of the year. Come up with your own uh, paper, like topic to write the paper on. And I didn't end up doing it on this, but I still had the information because I was gathering it just in case I needed to fall back on. So I actually have like an idea about AI with drug dealing. And from what I gathered, it's like um, the police, police forces across the, across the nation, soon to be across the world when it's not proven yet, but across America so far, they are trying to implement AI in their investigations, like um, especially when it comes down to digital narcotics. 
And it's not only for drugs. It, they also use it because, you know, the black market is a huge, huge um, web source for things such as um, child pornography. You have um, the selling of people on there as well, opioids and stuff like that. So they they just basically, the article that I found was discussing how the police force can use the AI to speed up their investigation process and how more efficient it will be in terms of, you know, instead of having all the human resources, because if you do it the manual way, you're going to have to find the human resources to do it. And not only that, but you have to find the ample time it takes to eventually lead onto that when AI it searches the dark web, it pulls the data, and then all you have to do is sit there and sit through and be able, to, it will give you an accurate representation to have to, you know, track it down. Even though, yes, that will take more time, not more time, but it will take some time. No, it's more time. It's, yeah. It is more time. But, but, and, and, and here's the thing, again, what we just said in our, in our previous thing, it's, you know, this is a tool that in the right hands could and should be used to help people, like you said, tracking down human human traffickers. Everyone thinks that's a good thing. Let's stop that. Let's stop child pornography. Any of those kinds of things. The This article here is talking about using the AI to read all the traffic camera data and track license plates and then correlate all those for this. And in the, the article leads off with them arresting someone that Norm, nobody would have seen him doing anything unusual except that when he was arrested, now he is carrying X amount of cocaine, X amount of, you know, cash and weapons, et cetera, as he's transporting and doing these things going back and forth, something that wouldn't have been noticed unless they analyzed all these traffic patterns, analyzed all these things, knowing these are existing drug dealers. This is how they drive. This is where they go, these routes, and when they go and do these routes. So to find all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I can also, I also am concerned with the idea of who has permission to go use these things and do these things. And, you know, as one of the pull quotes from the article here is, it's, all up to the individual police officer, which to me is not a really great idea. I want some kind of rules and regs and privacy restraints put in place. I don't want you to just be able to do this without getting a warrant. You know, like if, if my car gets flagged in your system for whatever reason, I want you to go get a warrant from that point on and have to prove to a judge why I should be subject to your investigation so that it goes on. That's what we want. That's part of the judicial system, right? Yes, yeah, true. But then even then with obtaining a warrant, there is still going to be a way that an officer can obtain the warrant yeah. just because they want it. Like they don't even have to nowadays. And I'm not saying the police force is, you know, dusty or dirty. Mm -hmm. There are genuinely good cops out there. But sadly, in today's world, and we've seen it past, present, and probably, hopefully not in the future, but for now, we might see it in the future, they can easily obtain without having a basis for it. But yeah, hopefully and, and that that's the that's I'm always on the privacy angle of things. You know, I'm like, let's have some rules in place. Let's put some guard rules down so that we know what we can use. Great tools. I want them. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Now, I didn't know about this article. 
But I had a whisper that this next article might have interested you. We have flying cars, real flying cars out there. Yeah. The future is here. It's just not evenly distributed. I say that a lot. Mm -hmm. This is a, a car that, it, to be fair, you could not go drive this tomorrow. But the FAA has approved it, which means they can now go into production, which means as soon as 2020, late 2024, early 2025, people will be able to buy and fly these around the United States. Yeah, I think they gave the um, certification to ALEF. Yeah. I'm mistaken? Yeah. Yep. And this is a drone-ish type shape thing where you can kind of see here in the picture where it's got four wheels. It's got a little center cockpit. It is perfectly able to fly and go and do, and then it lands and just drive on the streets. Unlike some other of these, it is not a plane that has been modified to a car. This is built from scratch and fully electric, no hybrid, no gas, no nothing. So it'll solve a lot of those other issues for that. Um, would you fly this one? I we were talking about you being a going with flight sims and going yeah. into becoming a pilot. Would you want one of these? Would you want to fly this? Money's sure, not an I'm... option. We we've got plenty of money. We got the three hundred thousand dollars for you, Oren. Well, then for sure, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I would see it as an opportunity. Like, be like, okay, cool. Like, if I can get up out of bed, realize I'm late to go do my actual job of flying a plane and be like, all right, mm -hmm. well, instead of taking, you know, the freeway or an I-95, hop in my car and just fly all over that. And yeah. So, yeah, I would give it a try for sure. Now, here's the problem for that I have with this. One, I have mentioned on the show here before, my objection to flying cars is I don't trust people driving in two dimensions. Now you want them to drive in three dimensions. I'm not positive. I want to see that happening. And this is not one that is going to take the market by storm and everyone's going to be driving one. Uh, carries one or two people. Not so bad. 220 mile range on the ground of driving. Not too bad. And 110 miles in the air flying. Not too bad. Except it's got a top road speed of 25 miles an hour. Yeah, it's... It's lacking there, but yeah, I'm like, huh, I'm good. I'm glad this is coming out. I'm glad that we will have a real designs that are out there, not the more modified experiment, experimental ones that have been flying for a little while. I mean, I don't know if you go look for it, you can see several different models out there that you can fly. Flying cars yeah. exist. Yeah. It's just, you need a, regular driver's license and you need a pilot's license and then you need this special plane that converts to the car where the wings all fold up and down like origami so that you can drive them around yeah, yeah and you still need runways <laughs> so it's not easy to build a runway in your backyard <laughs> no 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 people yeah uh, a little bit more than uh the the distance to hit that 88 miles an hour yeah but how successful do you think something like this can be as a starter? As a starter? Uh, as a starter, I feel it should, it will definitely be on the news. So the success part of, you know, getting it out should be fine. Uh, and if we're talking about in terms of sales as a starter, 
I don't, my personal opinion, I might be wrong, but my personal opinion, I don't think it will be successful as a starter. Like, say, for example, I have a company, Zen, Zenger, the boss of Zenger, he was known to be, like, commuting to, to his job, like, commuting to work in a flying car. And then you have a man such as Thomas Pat Patton, who was the first ever man to commute to work in a flying car. The first ever out of everyone. So, I mean... You know, we're seeing the executives of these companies build the cars and get to fly them, test them themselves. My personal opinion, though, if one of these companies wanted to take down the likes of Tesla, because if they're electric, we, we're starting to see a lot more of Teslas on the road, mm-hmm. more predominant than you would see a Toyota or Mitsubishi or, you know, a Chevy. My personal opinion, they would not be able to take them take down Tesla. No. For the foreseeable future. Now it's a different. But it's story. a nice goal. It, it is a nice goal. It's a perfect goal, but in my opinion, they would have better chances of getting gaining more popularity if they were to merge with Tesla, because we know Elon Musk his breakthrough with electronic cars. It's nothing short but a brilliant. You can't deny, it, even though sometimes they're badly made. They are badly made, but they it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. So as a starter, not so much. But if they merged, then yeah, they have a chance. Yeah, it'll, it, this is going to be an interesting one. This is I do I agree with you. This is one of those CEOs commuting by helicopter type thing, and it just it's a little bit cooler to do this than it is a helicopter. True, but I'm not positive they're going to like the 25 mile an hour thing no. either. Same. We do have one more story. We're going to cram in here at the very end of the show because this is something that we all need, even though you don't know you need it. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, CRISPR, the gene editing tool that uh, you hopefully you're familiar with, you know, out there. And North Carolina State University has used CRISPR to create a brand new tree, sort of. I mean, it, they've taken poplar trees, which are, you know what they are because the wood pulp from them is used in your grocery bags, in packing material, and all sorts of stuff like that. But It's also kind of labor intensive and growth intensive and stuff. So they've gone through and changed how it, now there's not forests of these yet, but they're greenhouses of these so far. Mm -hmm. And they've gone in and changed 21 of the different genes inside of the tree to reduce the ligand, which is the, the stuff that holds the cells together in a trunk. Yeah. of how all the cells in the thing. And it, they've made it so that it is uh, so much, uh, I'm, I want to make sure, 40% more effective when using for wood pulp, etc. That's a pretty nice jump. It is. Very and, yeah. Yeah, is And this is one of those small science step forwards mm-hmm. that kind of happens in the background. And you're like, well, yeah, yeah. So they're making trees who, yeah, the people we've been changing trees forever. But like you said, this is, we've been able to, now that we're taking this technology and we're applying it to, just like we talked about applying AI. Now we're applying the CRISPR technology to this problem with, you know, making the the planet better. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden now, here we go. We can create 40%, 40% better on trees is like a huge improvement. 
It is. And it's not like, oh, in the in the year, you know, 2035, we plan on developing something. They've got these growing in greenhouses. Now it's the process of how do we put this out for the rest of the world to be able to use, put it out there into real forests and show that it can live through multiple life cycles and everything. So, mm, yeah, it's going to be great. Thank you so much for being here, Oren. I want you to take a moment, though, and tell everybody what kind of stuff do you do at the library right now? Okay, well, I mean, right now, I when I come in, I sign in, I help um, senior librarians with programs. So we have, you know, story time. We have different types of story time. Uh, today, I hosted or co-hosted <laughs> STEM story time, where we nice. basically um, read the kids a book about um, airplanes, aviation, and we had them, like a little activity, make um, hoop airplanes, like make... Oh a plane out of just nothing but a straw and some paper yeah and it was a big success the kids loved it and yeah i not only help with programs i also do some shelving some shelf reading making sure the books belong where they are and when we had the vr i was the one who got familiar with it so if a patron came in it's like okay i can help you get on to um, a roller coaster for the kids and then, you yeah. know, for the adults or even kids who want to do Google Earth, we had them just roam around New York City. So that's, that's a very it's a very cool thing, isn't it? Yeah. It is. But yeah. And that's what we're featuring. If you hadn't noticed in the last couple of weeks, we're featuring all the young people who are working in the library this summer to give everybody out there a chance. The library's sort of cool place to come hang out and if you're in high school next year you better start paying attention in the spring look up the the stag one of these jobs we we don't we have a limited number but and it's a paid job we're not about we're not talking volunteers here we're talking regular real pay mm -hmm. i think you got a few bills you want to pay right or <laughs> well um <laughs> if the bills you're talking about are you know video games and yeah sure 100%. there we that's good enough for me that sounds great <laughs> Uh, if there is anyone you'd like to see featured on our show or a branch you'd like to see featured one week, reach out, creationstation at Broward.org. We'll see everybody next week.